Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another exciting episode of the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined again by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Today, we're going to be going over some football news. Uh, a little bit of baseball news came out, uh, then also some, some basketball news, uh, good and bad, unfortunately. But before we get into that... Uh, I wanted to say, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at RZRLSUPod and check out the website, or the website at LARedZoneReport.com. Um, but first off, guys, how are you doing? How's the, how's the weather down there? Uh, not that too bad. You know, Barry's uh, moving in and moving a lot slower than expected. Uh, it went from... You know, they were they were saying it was going to come in at 9 p.m. last night, then 11 p.m., and then this morning at like 10, then 11. So right now it's about 11:30 on Saturday. There's a little bit of rain on my end, a little bit of wind, but nothing uh, nothing terrible, especially for uh, what's been elevated to a Category One hurricane. So, mm-hmm. you know, nothing stops us. We're bringing the best content, the best tiger tiger uh, talk we can, and uh, you know, so hit, mash the subscribe button for uh, for a hurricane podcast. Exactly. Yeah, I'm kind of projected to right in the path about an hour south of New Orleans, and it's got about 40 mile an hour winds right outside my apartment here. So hopefully there's no kind of wind interference in the sound quality, but we're doing all right. Not too much rain or flooding at this point. Hopefully that continues and it, it peters out a little bit. But like Tommy said, we're here for you, even under extreme conditions, podcasting. Yes, yes, we are. Just like Cajun Navy, uh, as far as our dedication to bringing you LSU sports news during a hurricane. Uh, well, there it was another uh, you know midsummer slow week, but there was some some recruiting rumblings going on. Um, just a small note: there was a, a four-star defensive end, Donnell Harris, out of Miami. He included LSU in his top five. The other four were Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and Texas A&M. So he's pretty much narrowed it down to half the league. Uh, that's, but, I, but I heard you guys may have found some other stuff. Uh, Daniel, what, what do you have? Uh, the biggest news for me, it's more of still kind of a rumor at this point than news, but Zach Evans out of the Houston area, he's the number one running back in the 2020 class, just posted a picture it's a edit on his Instagram page of him in an LSU jersey from his visit to LSU that had previously been deleted, and now it's the only picture of him in any college uniform on his Instagram page. So some people are thinking that that means he's trending to LSU and maybe looking to commit pretty soon here, which would be a huge pickup for us, obviously, number one running back in the country. And that would provide us with the number one running back and uh, number one cornerback recruit in the country two years in a row. This year was... Uh, Derek Stingley and John Emery, and to do that back-to-back, especially swiping a player of his caliber away from uh, University of Texas or Texas A&M would just bolster uh, our core really strongly, and you would really want to see that. Yeah, that would continue that that Tiger footprint in Texas, which has grown pretty strong over the last few years. Uh, how, how about you, Tommy? What uh, What have you heard? Um, so, uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, Jacoby Guillory, I think in a couple podcasts before, but he just made an announcement that he would be, uh, making his, his final decision on, uh, December 20th. And he's between, uh, Bama and LSU, uh, 247 has him, uh, 100% LSU as a crystal ball, but, uh, he, they also have him warmer, quote, warmer on, on Alabama. So, um, 
I think that you know I'm, I'm excited to hear about that one. I'm glad he made the he made an announcement that you know of a final day he would decide. Um, and it's interesting that that is uh, that's an early that's more of an early decision. I think that's within the the early um, the, the early, early signing period. period. Yeah, the early yeah. signing period window. So um, you know he's not going to wait, kind of like uh, Ishmael Sasher did to wait till like that you know that last minute to make that decision. But um, but you know, I think that I'm, I'm hoping he stays 100% LSU like they predict, and uh, we pick up another big uh, defensive lineman. Yeah, that that would be amazing. Um, yeah, just to to keep that that D line recruitment going, they've they've done pretty well the last few years with what O has put together. Um, I I did mention Elias Ricks a minute ago, and Tommy, you were telling me that he was on Instagram Live yesterday doing something. Yeah, so he he uh, he, he did like a little little takeover of the LSU Sports News podcast or uh, not podcast LSU Sports News Instagram account, where him and Jermaine Burton and Major Burns, uh, they like they're you know three big big recruits for this uh, 2020 class, and they just popped up on the Instagram thing and went live and were chatting in the in the diff- with all the different people uh, watching and they were joking around. So I think that's like a it's a good sign because uh, for the past couple of weeks we've gotten a lot of chatter that uh, oh Elias Ricks he's looking at Ohio State oh he's looking at you know different schools he's going to go visit Texas he's going to go visit here or there and uh, a lot of worry in the in the LSU forums about you know is he going to flip and I think that if you're if you're part of an LSU sports news takeover of the Instagram account and you're joking around with with two other you know commits. Um, that shows he's still like that, you know, gregarious leader who's, uh, who's, you know, talking and getting to know all of his future teammates. So I like that for a, um, as a, as an indicator that he's still, you know, hardcore LSU. Although he did announce that he was changing high schools from modern day in California to IMG, the prestigious sports Academy in Florida. So we'll see how that goes. Not entirely sure what his motivation is, but I mean, I guess good on him getting that extra coaching, but I don't know if that that might be kind of why some people think he's looking to flip or just changing things up. But I don't think that's too big of a deal, though. Well, I mean, who doesn't want to go to who doesn't want to go to IMG if you can? I think that if you I think if you're at the top of the top in high school, you know, high school sports, not just football, but pretty much every sport, you want to go there because you know it's basically like a like a uh, full on training facility. You know, even even those big high schools in California that can't provide the caliber of coaching and, and facilities that a school like IMG can. Okay, but let me ask you this. If you're already the top cornerback in the country and you can pretty much go wherever you want, what's the benefit of him going there if he's going to have to go to a college anyway where he would get, you know, the, the top coaching he, he could get before the NFL? So why why would he – go all the way from California to Florida, what, what would be his motive, I guess? Well, I, you know, I think I can think of three, three points off that. One, um, I watched a video on YouTube of him uh, doing, like, training in L.A. Like, or I think he's in the L.A. area or California. Yeah, yeah, L.A., yeah. So in the L.A. area, he was at this gym doing training, and he, I, he, he was training with uh, Todd Gurley and, like, some, some Rams players and – um, some, I think like USC players or, you know, all these other big time players. So it's clear to me that he wants to, he wants to train with the best and he wants to be, he wants to play with the best. So 
if you want to play with the best, I think going to IMG is probably a, a good decision. Not that, you know, he, now he was at a great school in California at Mater D, but, you know, yeah. maybe he feels like the competition that he'll get to see day in, day out at practice at IMG will just put him on another level. Two, um, you know, the, the, the track record of IMG uh, is, is that of, you know, the, the stud level players come out of there and maybe that gives him, maybe he feels like he'll get a, a better exposure to, um, you know, decision makers in the sports world, you know, like that, that kind of mark of, uh, mark, mark of, it was, I think it was Mark McKinnon who started it, the big time agent. Um, he might get some it, better he, offers from different colleges. Well, well that, or, um, for the, you know, in the future, pro scouts might be looking at him even more than they are now because they know of him, you know, from this, from this kind of brand. And then three, and this may be a little bit of conspiratorial take, but I'm going to go with it. We, we have already established that he might be the best recruiter on, uh, on, you know, on LSU's team for 2020 right now. So maybe he's going there on the mission to flip some top talent to LSU from IMG. And if that's the case, and I'm just going to go with it. I think that is the case. I'm happy for him. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Totally. Uh, you know, if that's where he wants to go to further his development and he wants to cr- recruit, hey, that, that works out for, for Tiger Nation. I guess, uh, I guess what tipped me off was, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, if that was my kid and he wanted to go to Florida, you know, that's, that's no light cost to, to just have him go out there. I, I don't know what the rules are. I guess it's an independent school so he can transfer there without having residency, but I was just curious what what would be beneficial to him. Like you said, if you want to be the best at the game, <laughs> uh, you know, according to the ranking sites, he, he already is. So I was just curious what would what would uh, really persuade him to go there. Well, I, I mean, know. yeah. How do you how do you get to be the best? You play against the best, and you and you get better. So yeah. I think there's always you know he he he's definitely the best in high school right now, but yeah. you know he's I I think that. Uh, Grand Delpit might might beg to differ if you know if you got on the same field with him he might say you know hey man like let's take a step back so um, <laughs> he you know there's def- there's always room to improve and uh, I think that if he if he feels like he needs he needs good IMG to to get his game to that next level going into college and become even more SEC ready you know it might even be and this is a thought but I don't know. If, uh, what if he? What if he just feels like he needs to get used to that SEC uh, conditions? Because we all know that California heat is not the same as you know southeastern, you know Louisiana, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama heat. Yeah, and no, it is not. So you know that, and that, and that can be a big factor. You know, they talk about that a lot in different games where it's like a, a team coming in out. Of, you know, if it's like a bowl game or if it's a if it's a, um, a big away game, you know, how will they be able to handle? that uh the weather conditions so um might even be something like that yeah Yeah, it could be who knows i mean he he could have his own personal reasons he just simply wants to he he likes the idea like you said maybe it's a a networking opportunity for him um but as long as he stays committed you know uh, you know who it's it's his world i guess uh but speaking of networking uh the sec media days will commence this Monday, and the Tigers are going first. I uh, think they're slated right behind the uh, the official announcements, like right around 2.30 Central Time. Uh, it will be the contingency of Coach O, of course, 
and he's bringing with him quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, defensive back Grant Delpit, and center Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, you know, it's, it's 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 every every season they do these things, so we don't expect to to hear too much different. You know, they're going to go there and talk about how excited and uh, ready they are for the upcoming season. Uh, do you guys expect to hear anything different, exciting, or new once the once the Tigers take the the mic on Monday? For me, probably not too much. I mean, every time these things come up, it's like, oh, our team is going to be so great. We're improving on what we did last year and can't wait for the season. So it'll be some typical things. The only thing I'm kind of hoping for is just some sort of, not faux pas, but just kind of wild quote that maybe Coach O will say. This, that was one of Les Miles' hallmarks. He always would just drop a couple random just quote bombs of the media days that would just leave everybody going like, what did he mean by this? But <laughs> so if, if we get something like that, then I'd be pretty entertained. But business as usual, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I look for uh, one of the one of the biggest personalities in SEC football, as we all know, or SEC sports in general is uh, the infamous Paul Feinbaum. And Feinbaum took a stand the other day, uh, being the Nick Saban homer that he is, and, uh, and criticized Joe Burrow for, um, you know, his quote on uh, the point, you know, we're going to score 54 or 40, 50, 60 points, and, you know, this, this offense is different. And I would love to see if, uh, if maybe, you know, Joe Burrow and Feinbaum kind of get in the same – path maybe do an interview or something like that and see what um see how burrow handles himself with a guy who's you know kind of kind of criticized him a little bit yeah i expect joe burrow to hold his own and i would uh i would take joe joe burrow in a in a playground scuffle any day uh, Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> yeah totally i mean me and Paul Feinbaum are on the same team here uh <laughs> joe burrow haters yeah um well uh, yeah you're right it's it's everyone just going there to just to answer the questions. You know, it's it's going to be positive talk. I can't remember if I've ever heard a player going to a media day from anywhere, you know, being asked questions and then saying, you know, this this year is going to be awful, guys. It's going to be painful. You know, they don't talk about that. But one thing I think I would expect to hear that maybe we haven't heard um, is a lot of confidence and a lot of excitement, at least coming from the you know the players that they have coming. Joe Burrow, you know, in addition to the fifty, sixty points, uh, I think he said yesterday or the day before he could throw with anybody in the country. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have some some chutzpah from the at least the quarterback position coming into media days that we probably haven't seen in a while. And you know, Grant Delpit's steady as a rock he's he's already on two to three to four preseason all-america teams you know he's he's wearing the number seven uh i think these guys are going to talk about how excited they are and just how probably how you know it's different than what they've seen in the past i know coach o has said that but you know he's been there for a few years more than the players but i don't know i think they're uh they're just going to talk about how excited they are and how they feel like they are in a different place than they have been uh, since any other time since they've been at LSU, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I, you know, I always, I'll, I'm always excited to watch, uh, watch the SEC media day. It's, uh, it's always kind of, it's a good indicator that the, you know, the season's on the way. We're, we're getting close. I think I saw a thing yesterday that we're, well, yesterday we were 50 days away from LSU football, so now we're 49 days away. Uh, that's some great mental math on my part. And, 
and uh, I'm just excited to, uh, you know, to get get that much closer to the season and uh, get people talking about, you know, the matchups and you know what what the season's going to look like and who's who's going to be up, who's going to be down. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. And you said you might be going, is that right, Scott? Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can go on Monday because LSU is supposed to go in the afternoon. Uh, uh, I have work that morning, but it's it's not that far a drive, so I'm hoping I can make it out to the Wyndham in Hoover. See if I can uh, catch Coach O and the the players. I actually went last year uh, when they had it at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. Uh, it's basically uh, you know a big room where it's media only. And that's where they do all the uh, the Q and A, uh, but there is kind of like a you know a procession or a promenade of the coaches and the players walking in, like it's it's all scheduled. It's kind of like the Oscars, you know. It's a red carpet. People can stop and fans are signing autographs. Uh, sports memorabilia people they're having all their stuff signed, but they they come back out in the same fashion. So you can get two rounds of Coach O and the players, and yeah, I'm gonna see if I can. Uh, Sneak a question or two in. Maybe yeah, just maybe, uh, maybe, maybe maybe I'll just uh, do a little uh, pre-planning and get that Joe Burrow uh, jersey signed for you, Daniel. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that way, way we, we just we just have it airmailed to him. You know, yeah, we already have it covered. Shipping. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's. <laughs> I'm not you know we're not going to get the championship tattoo just yet, but I figured that way it's uh, you know it doesn't hurt anybody if it doesn't end up happening. But at least we'll have it taken care of for you. Can't wait. Yeah, I knew it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that'll that'll be happening Monday, and you know we'll, we'll see if anything different and new comes out of it. It'd be interesting to hear what some of the other coaches and players around the league will say. Um, just going into a new season, a lot of coaching changes. Um, but one thing that is always constant, at least lately, is the storied tradition of the number seven. We put it out to our uh, uh, to everybody last week to say who their favorite or who they thought was the best number seven was. Um, and by that, we were pretty much referring to when Patrick Peterson took on the number seven. I believe he was the first one that officially made number seven a thing. And everyone since then, it's kind of been, uh, I think Patrick Peterson handed it off to Honey Badger. And I'm not sure who handed it off after that, if it was players, coaches, uh, or the department or whatever. I thought maybe the equipment managers did it, but um, there's different traditions but I, be- I believe uh, it's, at this point it's a, a player's vote for who gets it, kind of like it? for 18. That's what I've heard at least. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, there's a, the legacy has begun. So uh, I guess I will start it off. I have as my favorite number seven the second in line. That was Tyran Matthew. Uh, the guy was electric coming out of the gates as a freshman, had so many turnovers. I remember seeing one against uh, North Carolina. I think it was the bowl game. I thought, who was this guy? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard too much. And then just after that, that sophomore season, he exploded uh, in in notoriety and uh, just made a name for himself. It was Donnie Badger. Uh, I could keep going on and on, but you know, there's there's other sevens to get to. So, Tommy, who do you have? Man, Scott, you kind of took my took my take. I'm gonna to have to go oh. to Matthew as well. 
Um, although you know, I I do love I do love Patrick Peterson too. I think Patrick Peterson really he started it off. You know, uh, he was that lockdown player where you know we always talk about like oh we've got the best DBs in the country, but at that time Patrick Pe- they didn't even throw to Patrick Peterson's side. You know, he right. he would lock down an entire half of the field. So you got to have a lot of respect for Patrick Peterson. But my personal favorite is definitely Tyron Matthew. Um, because just just the uh, the energy he played with and the the uh, the swagger on the field and you know he he we talked about it last week with the punt returns like he, you know he returned punts and he also played that that nickelback uh, <clears throat> nickelback position and then also played a little bit of corner and you just never knew where he was going to be you never knew where he was going to fly on the field and uh, it, he just played with so much pride so. That's that's kind of yeah. I, I think I have to take Tyron Matthew as well. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's an excellent choice. Um, I'm waiting. I'm interested to hear who Daniel has. So Daniel, or is it going to be a unanimous decision? Well, I was actually about to almost make it a unanimous decision. I was on the fence between Leonard Fournette and Tyron Matthew, and I was going to say Tyron Matthew, but then both of y'all said it, so I'm going to have to go with <laughs> Leonard Fournette. He's a once in a generation athlete. He did things on the football field that I had never seen before to move that 235 pound body at the speed and the intensity, which he did. It was just incredible to watch. I still run back that clip when he just trucks the Ole Miss DB on the sideline, puts him into the grave pretty much, and then just continues on. Uh, Or that touchdown run against Texas A&M where he bowls over their linebacker. I mean, just the electricity which he brought to the field was something that was incredible to watch for three great years. And he had a little bit of injuries kind of here and there, but just to, to be a Heisman finalist, just like uh, Tyron Matthew was, was great to watch. And even just coming out of high school, I saw him in a Mardi Gras parade in new Orleans when he was still with St. Augustine and throw, throw up that book of nation symbol. And I yelled at him, he turned and to me and put it up. And from there, you got to fall in love with Leonard Fournette, that big old beard, just what Daniel a Daniel eyes with Litter for Ned at the Mardi Gras parade. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was in the books from there. No, I was oh, at, yeah. I was at that Mardi Gras parade too. That was a pretty cool moment to, to be able and to think about the one thing that about Leonard Fournette and you know, I think that Leonard Fournette might have been the first of the the first uh recruit who had who nowadays it's 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 old news that these were all these recruits all have their own brands they have their own hype they you know utilize social media to get their names out there and we all know who they are and we know they're you know what school they're on what school they're not on where they're you know what what we know if they're wearing uh, I, I know that on Tiger Droppings they've been talking about how Elias Ricks wears an LSU wristband on pictures to show that he's still so like we you know people dissect the, these these high schoolers social medias but I think Leonard Fournette was the first one who put himself out there with a brand, that Booga Nation brand. And, you know, as a junior in high school, people were talking about him and not just talking about his highlight film, but talking about him as a personality. So that's a good point that, you know, he was, he was a well-known person leading the St. Augustine band down a Mardi Gras parade and throwing out his, his Booga Nation t-shirts to people and, and building that brand before he even stepped on the field at LSU. Exactly. Um, and he wasn't just a high school or a city or a state. He was a whole nation in high school. He was a and nation, that, yeah. And that's, that's something you just don't see. It's, it's a once-in-a-generation talent. And You don't and really see a football player, a high school, you know, a, a young man be a sovereign nation 
um, that often in life. You're right, Daniel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a rare thing these days. So kudos to him for making his own nation. Uh, to, to bring it back to what y'all had said, Tyron Matthew, he was just – he had the electricity that you, you couldn't find anywhere else, and he wasn't exactly the number one touted recruit like Leonard Fournette, but he made the absolute most of his talents and could do – just anything on the football field and change the game in a split second. And for that, I think he is well deserving of the number seven, two and probably should have won that Heisman in 2011. Uh, even though as a defensive player, only one person's ever done it, but he just brought that uh, well, second nature to the field. Well, let's go back to the Tyron Matthew story, because I think the most, the most uh, captivating thing about the Tyron Matthew story is the what if, because like you said, Daniel, he had the stats to win the Heisman. He had, he he eclipsed the stats of Charles Woodson, who's the only defensive player to win the Heisman, and, uh, and and he was. I mean, I think he was clearly the best player that year. But the I think the, and it, I think it's easy to to pick out the reason he didn't win the Heisman, which is that the suspension he had in the Auburn game um, due to his you know drug issues. And so you, if you you, you you can't help when you think about Tyre Matthew, you can't help but talk about. Well, what if he didn't have the drug problem? Because if he didn't, maybe he wins the Heisman. If he doesn't have the drug problem, you know he you know he comes back for his junior season, and uh, and you can only imagine what that team would have been capable of with Tyron Matthew on the field, Eric Reed on the field, uh, Zach Mettenberger at quarterback, Jeremy Hill at running back. I mean that that's a that's an incredible team. They don't really lose. I mean I, I've always kind of joked about the uh, the national championship team that lost to Alabama. The following year, the only people they lost to, like moving on to the draft or moving on, you know, from college football, were kind of their worst players. You you lost uh, Jarrett Lee and, and Jordan Jefferson, and you lost Spencer Ware, who was kind of a hit or miss back, and you gained. Zach Mettenberger, who was one of our best quarterbacks we've had in a while, and you gained Jeremy Hill, who you know had some pretty legendary runs in his own right. So the what if of Tyron Matthew really, you know, I, I kind of equate it to Bo Jackson, where you think about Bo Jackson and how great of an incredible electric once in a generation type athlete, but the most important thing and what they highlight in that thirty for thirty on Bo Jackson is, is he was taken too soon. With his with his hip injury, you know he was a he, he could have who knows what he could have done both in baseball and and football, but with that injury he had, and he was you know he was there one day and he was gone the next and we never saw the 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 explosive player again, so it's really interesting to think about Tyron Matthew and, and the the what if of if he had been able to play that junior season. Yeah, uh, I mean we you could pontificate about it all day, but like you said. Um... You know, R.I.P. Explosive Bo Jackson. He was he was taken from us way too soon. Same with Tyran. Uh, I think he, you know, he he probably could have, would have won the Heisman. He, he wouldn't have done it the next year, I don't think. But you know, LSU would have had that other factor there and then. But I guess the flip side to the what if coin is, you know, what if he got kicked off the team and then he went further you know, downward spiral, you know, he, let's say he got drafted, but he, he blew that chance. Uh, I, I think the good thing to take away from all this is he's been a seven, you know, even while he's been in a pro, you know, he's lived up to at least that he's, well, he's it, remained the player and he, you know, he got it back together and he, he's making a lot of money and doing well in the NFL. And, and I think that even more to talk to, to make it, make this more of a tale of the sevens, 
the the man who kind of pulled him out when he when he got kicked off the team, he had his drug issues. The man who kind of gave him that guidance, gave him that mentorship, and and kind of said like let's let's get you let's get you cleaned up and let's get you to where you where we know that you have the talent to be in the NFL was none other than Patrick Peterson. And Patrick Peterson um, made the recommendation to the Cardinals that they select him in the draft and that they kind of you know they said he was kind of like yeah he's got some off the field trouble but I'll make sure that he stays right. And you know to his to Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson's credit you know it seems like. You know he's really he's really uh, you know grown up and and been an upstanding guy and you know he does a lot of I follow him on Instagram he does a lot of charity work I saw him do a uh, I think it was like a kickball tournament in New Orleans and you don't hear much about him uh, you know and, he, and you don't hear anything bad about him you, all you hear is the good and and I'm really you know it's it's a it's a great thing to see that um, you can turn that inver- adversity into a successful NFL career. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, that Patrick putting his, uh, you know, starting spot on the line with, with bringing him on, uh, that, that's, you know, just goes to show that, uh, they have that bond, that, that seven bond. He passed on the seven and he didn't want it to, to go just yet. Didn't want it to be taken from us too soon. Uh, so, so that definitely worked out for all involved. Um, I actually was going to have Leonard Fournette, as my offensive seven uh, for all the reasons that, that you'd stated, Daniel. And I, I think he trucked at least one defensive back in every team that he faced in the SEC, except probably Alabama, maybe not Florida, but everybody else. Uh, I know there's a highlight of, of him running over one of their DBs. Um, and just insane talents. Uh, but I will offer this up. I, I did also did some other research. Uh, I'm going to say my pre-Patrick Peterson number seven and that would be Ali Highsmith the uh, the linebacker back in the uh, actually the last time they won it back in 2007 uh, he was just uh, a terror in the, 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 the Buckeyes backfield all day I remember this one highlight where he just got in the face of Sam Beckman as he was probably thinking he was about to throw a touchdown pass and he just batted it down and then LSU recovered a fumble and the the onslaught was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my nomination for pre Patrick Peterson seven. I don't know if you guys uh, had anything like that or maybe an offensive number seven, but but that's who I got. Yeah, that's yeah. A good, that's another good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back to a little bit to Ty- to, to Leonard Fournette. Uh, you, you know, Leonard Fournette's a, a, a guy who I feel like we didn't see the full potential of either. He, like right. Daniel said, he was a little bit plagued with injuries. Um, I mean, that one season, I guess it was his, yeah, it was his sophomore season. I, that was my freshman year at LSU. I remember watching some of the – because I was at some of those games. I was sitting, like, right in the end zone of that – the Auburn game where he – another one, another famous run where he ran over the guy for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, watching that in real time, like, live, it was just like – you know, you, you, he was a man among boys. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's unfortunate he's gotten – you know, he's kind of had some trouble in the NFL. Um but watching Leonard Fournette run in 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 college ball was was an absolute pleasure. Uh, just because, like Daniel said, he he is really a uh, whereas Tyron Matthew was not a the most gifted of of uh, uh, stature and you know uh, tangible um, athleticism. Leonard Fournette had everything. Leonard Fournette was a an absolute freak, 
and the way you know he was like a four three guy with a two hundred you know thirty five pound body, and he used every pound of that when he you know laid into somebody. So you know that's something where you don't know if you'll see a player like that again you know for a while. Um, Tyler Matthew, I feel like Tyler Matthew was all heart, and that's something I like. That's something I respect too. Yeah, he, he made it for the size that he didn't have with his heart and the way he played, and that's why he garnered himself a, a Heisman nomination, and that's why he garnered himself a, a draft pick, even though you know he had you know somewhat of a, a checkered history as far as NFL scouts are concerned. Um, but man, he he could just play, and you, you could always count on him to do that. Yeah, I don't know if. Grant Delpit, how he how, he's going to have to have as good as a season last season or more to uh, to kind of replace who we've mentioned already, right? Like he's going to have to have a, a honey badger type season for him to take over this spot next season. Yeah, I think he can do it. Uh, he's obviously one of the best players in the country. I'm looking forward to seeing him on the field again, and then. Interesting to who he's going to pass the number seven to next year. Maybe Derek Stingley. We'll have to see how that goes. But, oh. yeah, uh, I'm just glad that we had this tradition of great players wearing a great number and can't wait to see it again in action this season. Speaking of numbers, have we found out who will wear number 18 this season? I don't think they've announced it yet. Right. I think they usually announce that in fall camp. Uh, but I don't. Think so. Well, yeah, I don't last think so year was Foster Moreau. This year, no, I don't think they announced it until yeah. uh, until the fall. Okay. And I think that's again. That's another. Is that the players or is that the one that the equipment managers I think, and the players say? I think that the I think that it's kind of voted on with the players because of the like you know the the leader of the team. Um, yeah. I know that I know that I read an article about Grant Delpit, and he had to go ask. He went and asked Coach O if he could wear seven, and Coach O said, "Yeah." But you know, so I don't know if that's one of the kind of one of the procedures as well. The coach has to, you know, sign off on it, make sure that you're you're the playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it'd be really interesting to see or to to find out, you know, exactly how it all works. All right. So if you guys had a guess right now, uh, obviously not having seen anything from fall camp yet, but. If you could say who you think would be number 18, who would you put your money on? For me, a name comes right to mind, but Daniel, who do you think? Uh, go, go ahead. I've got to think us for just a second here. So for me, um, I've got to go with uh, Richard Lawrence because I think he, he is that, he's that leader that we talk about. He, he stayed for, um, for another season when he was draft eligible, and – People were saying, you know, it's a little bit of a trouble spot with that, with the defensive tackles. Of, you know, that was something we had recruited heavily and we needed more of. And he really filled a hole, uh, figuratively and literally, uh, that we that we might have had it at defensive tackle if he'd gone on to the NFL. And so I think that, and and from what all from all I've seen, you know, he is that kind of leader in the locker room. He's a he's a real good guy. He's also a Monroe, Louisiana native of Neville High School, where me and Daniel both uh, know a lot of people and know. Uh, knew about him in high school, so uh, I, I think he'd be a good pick um, as, as that as that leader of the team. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. For me, I think another good choice could be uh, Michael Divinity in there, uh, outside linebacker. He's another senior, uh, big leader. He really stepped in to fill that gap next year, playing or last year playing alongside Devin White, and then could be the central leader of that defense this year. And I've only heard good things about him, so I think he would wear it well. Yeah, that's a good pick, Keith. Yeah, I, I'm, I might be leaning along with Daniel here because I was trying to think. I, I don't know why. For some reason, I thought I think it's going to be a linebacker, uh, but that he would if he's the senior, that would make the most sense. The only other thing, or the only other person I thought maybe could, just from a leadership standpoint, could be Joe Burrow. Do you think that would? You think that's possible? I think it's a good pick, but the only kind of knock against him would be that Joe Burrow was not a full like LSU commit and kind of came up through the ranks. He kind of came in at the very end after transferring from Ohio State. So I think they might prefer to give it to somebody kind of born and bred LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that on uh, with with Daniel on that one. I think it might be uh, might be a, a little bit. It might be they want, like like Daniel said, a born and bred LSU guy who's there from freshman year on. Um, interesting point, though, the last quarterback to wear number 18, national champion Matt Mock. So maybe that's uh, Yeah, you, you beat me to it, Tommy. That's what I was going to say as well. <laughs> the first one to wear it was a quarterback. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily transferred in, but uh, he did follow Coach Saban to LSU. I think uh, Saban wanted him, and he was going to go to Michigan State, but then Saban said, oh, change of plans. Uh, I'm actually going to this uh, school down south called Louisiana State. Uh, why don't you just go there? And he did. And he was, like you said, he won a championship, and he he was uh, awarded the first 18. So, uh, I mean, he did, I guess, start his career there, but um, he wasn't born and bred in Louisiana, I don't believe. So that's why I think maybe it's open. You know, I, I don't know if the, the parameters for 18 will always stay exactly the same, you know, to where they, they want someone bored and bred. Because, you know, they, they could give it to Elias Ricks in his sophomore or junior season, for all we know, if, if, if that's just what he becomes once he gets here. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to debate. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that there's probably only a handful or less of players that it really could be based on, you know, their, their leadership with the team and just, you know, their, their contribution. So uh, I guess Daniel and I are in um, Divinity Camp and you are in Richard Lawrence's camp. So we'll, we'll see who gets it. Yep. Yeah. You want to uh, uh, talk a little bit of basketball now? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I definitely wanted to to talk about uh, some of the successes some former Tigers are having uh, now that the NBA NBA Summer League is is up and going. But uh, I also did want to touch on the fact that uh, recent LSU star Tremont Waters' dad had passed away uh, recently. So we wanted to offer some condolences to him and his family uh, i know they're going to need some you know some peace at this time uh and it's actually s- still not determined what what happened i know they they found him uh deceased in a, a hotel room so we we hope you know only only the best for for them and uh you know they just, they just get the answers they need so they can move forward but it's a terrible thing to hear uh and especially if you're from Mount waters 
you know, that's that's got to be just a gut punch. Two days after you sign your professional contract, you know, that's that's got to be something every son would want to share with his dad. You know, probably a, a dream that they both shared. I don't know what their relationship was like, but you know, I, just, I can't imagine what he's feeling right now. You know? Yeah, that's that's something you never want to you never want to hear about. It's really just a terrible tragedy. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they they kind of get the get the uh peace and the closure that they need and you know he can move on to do great things in the nba but uh really a really a terrible story for tremont waters and the whole waters family yeah yeah just thoughts out to them the the details of the incident are online if you you're looking to see uh, i won't go into it but just thinking about the waters family and hoping they can find the strength to, to bond together so i'm glad we mentioned that yeah, uh, I I can only hope that he's just going to take this and he's going to play his heart out this next season in Boston. And it's you know he's probably going to set it on fire because you know this 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 can be quite a motivator too. Um, but some other some other players, uh, Cavell Begbie Williams. Uh, now that the summer league has started, he's he's on fire with the Pelicans. He's had some some double doubles. And he uh, he's he's making a, a name for himself. He's trying to compete for that roster spot. Also, uh, Nas Reed, who who went undrafted, and you know it was maybe not a shock. Maybe it was a shock to him and those around him uh, because he was just such a, a phenomenal built phenomenally built athlete and just so much potential there. But maybe not quite ready for the NBA. But. You know he's he's doing his thing. He with the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, he's played in a few games already. He's averaging you know maybe like 15 minutes, but he's he's doing what he has to do. Uh, he's he's fighting like a tiger for a roster spot as well. But uh, it's good to see those guys doing well with their opportunities. So hopefully uh, we can continue that one. Yeah, Nasri put up a put up a double double in a recent game, and so hopefully that'll continue. He can make a roster spot, and he's not relegated to to the G League or wherever. His current contract, he's on with the uh, the Iowa Wolves of the G League, and I'm not entirely sure that's where he imagined his basketball career taking him to Iowa. But we'll see if uh, he can continue the good trend and get on the Timberwolves official spot. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's just it's just uh, continuing to play hard because I think that was just one of the concerns was, you know, they, they were kind of worried about his, his body mass index, which I guess could or could not be uh, related to, I guess, perceived effort on his part from the, the scouts leading up to the draft. You know, they thought maybe he could have played harder, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if he's got more in the tank, now's the time to show it because, it, you know, it's, it's now. Uh, I don't know if he was saving anything for the NBA. You know, you hear stories of guys doing that. They, you know, they don't want to burn themselves out before they get to really make the money. But uh, now's the time. So good, good to hear that he's doing his thing. Um, yeah, I'm hoping success for all these guys. I think uh, the last thing we had was LSU had a baseball coaching change. They did. They did. So LSU's previous volunteer, because you know, silly enough, they're only allowed two full-time paid coaching assistant positions. There's petitions within the league to get that changed. They actually tried to. The uh, NCAA, the committee on that, denied it. 
So they're figuring out steps to move forward. But for now, you can only have two full-time paid coaching assistants. Right now, that's pitching coach Alan Dunn and uh, head recruiter Nolan Kane, who, you know, we'd like to think they're both earning their money. But uh, the talk around the league has been we need a third assistant. So for now, it's a volunteer position. Uh, but Sean Ochenko, who played with the Tigers uh, with their last championship back in 2008, was the former uh, volunteer and uh, hitting coach. And uh, he's gone. Didn't really say why, but you know, anyone that watched the season could probably guess. They were kind of spotty at times. You know, it's like they would have a game with one, two, three hits, nothing, and then a few games later they would light it up with 13 runs, and then they would go back into the doldrums again. Yep. So maybe it was just you know inconsistent hitting. But the guy that Paul Maneri has coming in, uh, LSU fans and LSU players should be excited about, is Eddie Smith, uh, who's taken over the same role basically as he had at Tulane. But uh, the way they found him was uh, he actually played under Paul Maneri in his last two years at Notre Dame. And I, I think that's the connection there. But uh, this guy's history is uh, phenomenal. I'm going to go over here in a minute. But uh, do, do you guys, uh, you guys, I have to imagine you like this hire. I don't know how, how much you saw about him, but he's got, he's got quite a pedigree of his own with uh, where he's coached so far. Yeah, I like the hire a lot. Um, I think that you're, you're spot on with the, the kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde nature of the LSU offense this year. You know, if we if we would have had a consistent offense, I think we would have seen seen ourselves in Omaha. But uh, I mean, just judging just judging by the way we uh, we played in the SEC tournament and then in our, our regional and super regional. But if he can if he can come in and add a little bit more consistency and kind of bring some of the success he had uh, to to Tulane and, and some of the other places, um, you know, I, I'm all for it and I'm I'm excited to see uh, excited for him to get to work. Yeah, I think it's a great hire. Uh, coming from Tulane, shout out to my Green Wave. They really popped off on the offense last year. They set records in the American Athletic Conference for home runs, batting average, runs scored, etc. So it was really a record year. And if you can duplicate that success at LSU, all the better. And so he's been coaching for 13 years. And even last year, Tulane had one player selected in the first round of the MLB draft. So he can obviously train and produce that top talent especially given the caliber of players that we got coming into LSU. So uh, I think he'll do a great job and we'll find out whether they can kind of level the, the hitting playing field and produce a little bit more pop as the season comes around. Yeah. I mean, only way to go is up. Uh, and I think Eddie Smith would be the guy to do it. Uh, in addition to all you said, Daniel, which is incredible. I think there was some more you left out, but you know, it's, it just doesn't matter. I mean, the, the first four or five speak for themselves, but I mean, he started back in 2004 in a community college in Washington, which is kind of where he grew up, but he, you know, he set a record for school wins, uh, there. And, and then he moved on. He's coached in mostly in, a lot in California. Uh, but he, his actually his major at Notre Dame was Spanish, so he's spent time in the, the Dominican Republic. Yeah, maybe uh, keep those Dominican and Cuban recruits to LSU. I know that's what I was thinking. Is he, he speaks the language? That's that's an end most coaches don't have right there. Um, but uh, he was also an assistant at Virginia, where that was kind of where they took a, a little rise to national power, uh, getting some ACC championships and much of the. College World Series a couple times, 
and just pretty much anywhere he's gone, he's won. So I'm picturing him coming into a program that is just known for winning. Uh, you know, not every season, we, you know, they hit the marks they want to hit. And, you know, the fans always think we could have done more. Uh, but I think with a guy like Eddie Smith, the chances are good that they will do more. Uh, because what we talked about in some of the earlier podcasts were, well, you know, this season I think maybe the problem, in addition to the, uh, the spotty hitting, it was it was pitching. You know, they just didn't have enough healthy guys, and uh, the ones that stepped in and still allowed them to to you know to almost get to Omaha was was amazing considering what what they had gone through. So, but everyone's going to come back healthy, you think? So, pitching shouldn't be the problem next year. But then there's the hitting issue. So I'm hoping this is what he comes in for and he fixes. Uh, if that's the case, I would expect to be uh, watching LSU at Omaha, either in person or on TV. Yeah, those are all good points. I don't really have too much more to say on that other than it's a good hire. Uh, one quick mention I wanted to say is uh, Jared Poche, LSU's all-time winningest pitcher, just retired from baseball after a couple of years in the minors at 20, age 24. So I think he's just kind of moving on with his life. But great guy, and uh, sad to see his career kind of come to an end that way. But just want to give him a shout-out. Yeah, I saw that too, and I thought, well, that's sad to hear. You know, you, you want to see Tigers thriving in the bigs. But, uh, you know, he did it on his own terms. Uh, yeah, he, he had as much baseball as he wanted. I mean, he, he really doesn't, doesn't have to prove anything to anyone else uh, based on his success at LSU. Like you said, all-time winning as pitcher. Uh, but I guess he, he'd had enough. There's plenty of other guys, I'm sure, that would uh, love to still be paid to, to play baseball that maybe went to LSU. But, you know, that's his, that's his decision. Uh, I guess there's more to life out there. Um, so, guys, it's, uh, it's been about an hour. Uh, conditions still okay with, uh, with Tropical Storm slash Hurricane Barry? Yep, just a little bit of rain, a little bit of wind, but nothing too bad. Yeah, doing fine. Yeah. Hunkered down. If you're out there listening and you're involved in the storm right now, just stay safe, turn around, don't drown. Uh, and then every and parish and local podcast. Yeah, every parish and local government has plenty of resources out there for you, so just listen to that. And uh, turn on the podcast if you lost power. Just kind of play it from a portable radio or something. I don't know. <laughs> play it from your transistor. <laughs> yeah. Charge charge your phone now so that once power does go out, if that indeed happens, uh, you, you have your, uh, your device charged and ready to listen uh, while you're already at safety because you lift and listen to the local warnings. Or maybe the, uh, the Cajun Navy has come and helped you out. But either way, uh, once they do their part, we're going to be right behind them to give you this podcast. So uh, stay safe, uh, and let's think about who we might have as number 18, and uh, we'll look forward to media days. And uh, I don't know, guys, any last thoughts? Stay not safe, go Tigers. Yeah, not too much other than that. Another good week in the books. Go Tigers. Amen. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to follow each of us at Gerard one and at Tommy Johnson LA and uh, DF Zollinger, and of course at RZR LSU Pod. And uh, you could also consider making a donation from the supporters tab at LARedZoneReport.com. The more you support, the more content we can bring you, even in hurricane uh, force winds. So again, stay safe and uh, keep on listening to the pod because we'll keep bringing it to you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.
name. But then when the uh, when internet gaming became very, very popular, they added this thing called Roster Share, where you could just download the names of every single player, and somebody outside of the EA framework would make it. But I still use it today, and it's great. And even you can play twenty, you can play the old game and get the new, and you can have Trevor Lawrence and Tua and Joe Burrow on your team. So it would it would make it so much easier because it's clear that that's what they were doing. They were profiting off the likeness. It would make it so much easier if they just admit it. We could go back to enjoying our game, and the players could have a little bit of change in their pocket. Yeah, maybe even they just have that check waiting for them once they graduate. That could be another compromise. That's a, that's know? a good idea too. You could say how you know, and you could put it in an account and have it accrue interest, and have it was like an almost like a four hundred one k. And you want to talk about actually, Scott? You might have just made the idea because you could say that's an incentive to stay in college. You could say. Oh, yeah. The more, you know, the more you play, the longer you're on this team, and if you graduate, you know, your, your money is accruing interest in a, you know, some sort of account. And when you graduate, you get this, you, get this, you know, lump sum. It's de- yeah, that's definitely that's an idea. Yeah, you put it in escrow. Like you said, it's accruing interest, and the more you stay, or the longer you stay, the more you get paid. That could be, uh, you know, they always talk about recruiting juniors. That would be possibly a good way because you know what is it one more year they just have to wait one more year uh you know if you're a first round draft pick if you get your draft grade and you're a first round draft pick you know i i don't think you'd care about 15 grand or whatever be waiting for you i think you know those guys should still go but the ones that don't get those draft grades that would be it then again you know it's maybe they're not their number is not going to be profitable ones but but still it's it's an option it's something to think about absolutely no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, any uh, anything else jump out at you guys this week? Not that I know of. I think we covered it all. You know, I'm I'm, I'm anxiously waiting uh, for the season. I was talking uh, to a buddy yesterday about it and how, you know, there's basically nothing to watch right now. So, ready to get back in that mindset of looking forward to every Saturday, and uh, you know, just happy to be on the pod again. For sure, yeah. yeah. It may not may not have been the biggest news week, but I think we got a, at least a few good discussions on it, and we'll keep ramping up as we move forward to the football season. Oh yes, we will ramp up the discussions and we will ramp up the bets. I think we got a couple going already. Um, so so far, I think Tommy. He he said, "What, what did you say last week? Do you remember? It was um, you, you didn't I want said, to go on record. I tried. To I did not want to go, go on record. record. I I alluded to the fact that if if my argument that Cocho is the new Dabo Sweeney oh, right. is correct, then we can expect some good news in maybe three to four years. Got and it. Can, and we so, will, and, you know, we'll let the listeners decide what that good news is. Maybe if you haven't listened to the last pod, go back and see what I'm talking about. But uh, it's going to be a lot of podcast episodes before then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll right. Be, just check me. Check me on pod uh, pod number 475, and we'll see uh, if I was correct. <laughs> hey, I'll be a little bit more optimistic. I'll say uh, maybe there's a pod in January that would that would cover this and you could pay, pay this pseudo bet that you're straddling the fence on a lot sooner. Uh, so we got that one going. And then apparently I'm going to buy Daniel his Joe Burrow Jersey when he wins the Heisman and he's going to have to tell him that he has Not, to sign it. Yeah. And I have to buy the Jersey <laughs> if she scores 60 points in a game, yeah. which I still think. There we go. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, I think, 
<laughs> I think that's more possible than Bur- Burrow winning the Heisman, but we'll see. Yes. <laughs> if I'm laying odds on All that, right. I, I think that uh, I think that uh, the 60-point bet is a little bit uh, a little bit better. Yeah, and it's actually you know fairly reasonable, um, just because Joe Burrow said so, and that's that's enough for me to go on. Uh, but that'll. Uh, That'll pretty much do it for us with the LSU's podcast for the Red Zone Report. Uh, go ahead and give us a, a subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at RZRLSU Pod. You can check us out individually. I am at Scott Gerard One. We have at Tommy Johnson LA. That's capital L, capital A. And at DF Zollinger. That's Z O L L I N G E R. That'll do it for us. Uh, and if you enjoyed, be sure to follow us next week, and uh, you could also make a donation at the Support Us tab at laredzonereport.com. The more support, the more content and, you know, just outlandish bets that we can bring you folks each week. That'll do it for us. Take it easy. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, of course. <laughs>